This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, it's Kayla. Candace is not able to join us today, but we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. And that's okay. It really is okay. Today, we are joined by a true friend of ours, someone in our Vampire Diaries community. I know you guys are so excited to hear my discussion with her. It is Tori DeVito. We are sitting down with her and talking all things life and love 
and light. She is truly such a wonderful individual. If you don't know who we're talking about, first question I have for you is, who are you? Where have you been under a rock? Because Tori has been all over television and film for years. But if I need to remind you, she just recently wrapped her incredible six-season run on the NBC drama Chicago Med. And she's also known for her roles on the CW's The Vampire Diaries and One Tree Hill, as well as ABC Family's hit show Pretty Little Liars. But the truth is her passions expand off-screen as well. She has a mission to grant access and bring knowledge of wellness, spirituality, and philanthropy to as many people as possible. She's an advocate for women and animals. She practices spirituality and incorporates consciousness into every aspect of her life, from her cruelty-free makeup choices to vegan fashion and eco-conscious sustainability. She gives us all of her favorites in all those categories and so much more. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the lovely Tori DeVito. And we are here with Tori DeVito. I know you guys are all so excited. We got so many listener questions all about it. Tori, we all know and love you. You're obviously a huge part of the Vampire Diaries family. And we have so much to tackle. So many listener questions, so many topics. But the truth is, you know what? What we really want to talk about today is how your passion expands extensively off screen. I mean, we all know you on screen, but you have a mission. You have a really important mission that you strive to grant access and bring knowledge of wellness and spirituality and philanthropy to as many people as possible, which is beautiful. So we are so happy that you're here today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. But one thing I really want to discuss because so many people were really excited about it. You know, you Talk to us about your cruelty-free brand choices. I know makeup's a huge deal and, you know, clothing and all of that. But we got so many people wondering, what are some of your favorites? What are some, are there any emerging designers or brands that you love that you want to talk about? Because you are a huge advocate for vegan fashion. And also wanted to ask you, like, what about the, when did you realize the importance of this and, and let it, allowing it affect your lifestyle? Yeah. So I think it all kind of started with becoming vegetarian. So it started with my food. I think I just had this moment of realization when I was in my early twenties, around like 23 or something where I was like, I don't know that I want to be eating living things anymore. And that was just a moral choice for me. Obviously not a lot of people in my life are vegetarian still, no judgment. You know, this was just my own personal path. And then as I was doing that, I, I you know, I was eating vegetarian. I was loving it. And then I started realizing how much leather I was buying. And I was like, wait, so I won't eat a hamburger, but I'm wearing a hamburger. Like, how does that work? And then it became like this fun kind of like scavenger hunt type thing for me where I was like, okay, where are brands that are vegan? And what does that even look like? And then I really, really got into it because when I moved to Chicago to start filming Chicago Med, I didn't have any proper winter gear for Chicago. I was like, oh my God, I have to get jackets and this and that. And then I was like, but wait, I don't want to buy anything with duck feathers. So I was like, well, that's like all these jackets. So then I had to start looking into winter gear that was vegan. And that was so much fun. So, and then it went into, okay, well now we're doing vegan, but what about like sustainable? What, what companies are making leather that's eco-friendly? And I just, started finding all these amazing companies like for jackets. It was like Save the Duck makes a plethora of 
beautiful winter coats and they're all vegan. And then they did a collaboration with native shoes and they made snow boots. And I was like, okay, I'm all in for this. And then I was finding leather jackets that were, you know, eco-friendly. And and I just like, it just became a passion to find these new products. Yeah. And that's so wonderful of you to make it fun. And it almost sounds like you made it a a game of it or you're like, okay, here we go. I'm going to do this. And, um, but I can imagine, you know, it's been over a decade of you doing this. So how have you seen it change over the course of, you know, a little over 10 years? Because that really is, I think uh, sustainable was not a word that was bounced around as much back then as it is today. Yeah, it's changed a lot in that way. There was a lot of companies that were just doing vegan. And then then I think they realized that the production of that was kind of just as harmful as, you know, you know, factory farming and all that kind of stuff. So then more companies were making it so that their stuff was sustainable and eco-friendly. And now it's actually so easy to find these products. Like anything you want, if you're looking for a new leather jacket or a new pair of pants, all you have to type in Google is like vegan, blah, 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 whatever it is. And it'll pop up like so many different, I mean, purses, shoes. I mean, Stella McCartney stuff, if you even wanted to go high end, is amazing. And now because of, you know, really big celebrities like Billie Eilish and stuff, like huge companies like are are not doing at least, you know, using fur anymore. I think Chanel stopped using fur. So even the big, huge fashion companies are kind of like realizing, okay, the way of the future is not through, you know, using real animals. Because I think when I did a PETA campaign about like, whose skin are you wearing? And that's when I first learned like one crocodile bag took like six crocodiles to make. And I saw the way they did it. And I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. But I don't, I just don't think people know. So if you don't know, why are you going to change? Right? Wow, that's fascinating. I can see how once you start the research on that, it's just you, you go down this amazing wormhole and you can't get out of it. How else have you found, uh, has it been the same with skincare products and beauty products? Has it been the same level of development you feel within the last 10 years? I do. I feel like, you know, maybe... 10, 15 years ago, you really had to research if a company was cruelty-free or not. And now all the companies have that little hopping bunny on the back if they are for the most part. So it makes it super easy. And I'd say nine out of 10 times when I Google a product that I love, they're normally not doing animal testing anymore, which is great, which it wasn't like that before. But now a lot of companies are really getting on board. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for being such a huge part of that conversation. Because I do think okay. ha- just simply having the conversation is the first part. It's the first totally. step, right? Towards, you know, having that sort of like a practice in your life. Totally. And-, and I tell people all the time, like, go easy on yourself. You know, like, don't feel like I still have items in my closet that I had over 15 years ago, shoes that are still leather. I didn't just take all my stuff and throw it away because that's not sustainable either, right? That's wasteful. So I just made a vow not to buy anything going forward. And then if I did buy something and I was like, oh shoot, I didn't realize there was like a tiny leather tag sewn into the inside of the bag. I'm not going to beat myself up either because I know I did the best that I could and I'll do better next time. Right. No. And that's so important. And even just the mentality you have when discussing it, because I'm sure, you know, we have so many listeners, a lot of them are younger and highly impressionable, which is so lovely. But, you know, it's one of those things where you you're doing a wonderful job talking about it, but not isolating those who have yet to take that journey, which is really lovely. 
It really is. Speaking of practices, I know you have a huge yoga practice. You're a yogi. And I know it's a lifestyle choice for you as well. I mean, so many of these lifestyle choices that I, before we got on the mic, Tori and I were saying it's been years since we've seen each other in person. And we'll take this virtual hangout over anything. But my my question to you is, so how, growing up, is this something that your parents instilled in you? I know you have sisters. Did they also develop this practice? Or how did you come to terms with making this jump? No, you know what? I got into yoga actually not even until I was in, I'd say, my mid-20s. In my early 20s, I always joked that I was way too angsty for yoga. Every time I would try to like sit still in one position, my heart would start racing and and like the yoga teacher would come up and whisper in my ear, just like, just breathe through it. And I'd be like, I don't want to breathe. Like it was like it and but then I realized like, oh, that's why I need yoga. Because it's good that those emotions and feelings are coming up. And then I have to be honest, like I'm kind of in a very similar space that a lot of people are in right now. The pandemic kind of took the wind out of my sails with every practice I had. And I think, I don't think I did yoga. I think I did it maybe five times, literally in two years, because working out at home for me, I was, I definitely fell in that category where it was like, so difficult. I thrive off somebody in front of me showing me what to do and kind of motivating me to do it. And if I have to motivate myself in my own house, it's like, it just, it is a life sucker. So I'm just recently getting back into practices, you know, starting yoga again, starting Pilates again, and just working out in general. And it's crazy how it's so hard not to get hard on yourself because I'm like, I can barely touch my toes right now. Like I used to be so flexible. What happened to me? But again, go easy on yourself, right? Like we just came out of a really difficult time and we're reacclimating back into life. And to me, all of that is kind of part of the yoga practice too, learning how to just like love yourself and be easy with yourself no matter where you're at. Right. No, it's so true. And it's it's funny because we've had this conversation on the podcast a lot, how the pandemic it was either you you were really able to commit and work out and do these things, or you weren't at all. And I fall into the same category as you, where it just sort of went out the window. And that's okay. And And you're right. I think self-acceptance in that is really important. Yeah, it was crazy. None of my clothes fit anymore. I gained 15 pounds. I just like, I lost all the things I thought I was, I was like, I'm a sloth. You know how they call it? <laughs> they call it the fresh, the freshman 15. I feel like we all have like the pandemic 15 and it's 100%, okay. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> well, I know you're also certified in Reiki and this is something I am so unfamiliar with. So can you take me through this? And I really do want to know more about it, but I really don't know anything. Yeah. So basically the way I like to talk about it, cause I'm only level one, I'm not a Reiki master by any means, but my, how many levels are there? That's a really good question. I think it kind of depends. You know how things have kind of been like, like transitioned from different places and everybody's got to got their own thing. But I think there's like three, four levels before you become a Reiki master, but don't quote me on that. The woman who does Reiki on me, who I absolutely adore, who actually lives in Atlanta. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. She certified me with Reiki level one. And for me, it's a way of moving energy and using energy throughout my body to help heal both physically and spiritually. And it's crazy because some people will be like, well, how does that work? I mean, if you even think about it, when you rub your hands together, right, you cause that friction and they get warmer. And if you put them 
on yourself, it instantly feels like so much warmer and, and just calmer. That's energy doing that, right? You know, we're affected by energy every single day. So to kind of be able to use energy in that way and play with it to help, you know, I use it sometimes to like, just kind of clear out my chakras in the morning, or if I'm not, if I'm feeling anxious, I'll use it on like my stomach or my chest, like wherever really needed. That's so important to have too, because that's something you can take with you. Do you use that and incorporate that in your everyday life? Because I do think shooting schedules are extreme and really difficult. Life, the life of an actor in general is really difficult when you have a relationship, a long-term relationship that's really important to you, all those things. So how, I guess, how do you incorporate that and what do you use to help you because not just asking for a friend definitely asking for me (laughs) as well because it can be a difficult lifestyle to keep up with sure so I used to get overwhelmed because you know we do travel so much when we're acting and I was like I can't like travel with all my oils and crystals and all the things and all my books it's like it's exhausting to travel that way it's also like a $50 suitcase worth of like you know books and crystals seriously (laughs) (laughs) but my the woman that I go to for like energy healing and stuff she was like look that that stuff just like adds fun to everything else like everything you need you have inside of you, right? And so for me, it's just like waking up in the morning. And even if I don't have anything with me, you can like sit in the, sometimes I'll just like sit in the shower, take an extra five seconds. And I imagine the shower is like golden light. That's like just cleansing me and protecting me for the rest of the day. Even if I didn't have time to meditate, right? So there's so many things you can use. You can sit and close your own eyes and just imagine like a golden light, like washing over you. You can say a quick little prayer. You can do affirmations without anything. You can journal. You can voice journal, voice note on your phone. Like anything that makes you feel centered and grounded for the day, just do. Because I think so many people look to other people and other things to make us feel like, oh, well, if I had that, then I'd be able to be spiritual. If I had that, then I'd be able to be calm. And it's like, no, you can literally just take your shoes off, walk outside for a second, ground your feet, close your eyes, touch a tree, thank the sun, whatever you want to do, and you're good to go. You know what I mean? Mindful meditation is something I think we totally take for granted and forget that we could do all day long. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. back. So, you know, we, we have a lot of people that write in and a lot of discussions about how, you know, you start off hot. It's like the beginning of the year. You start off with a really good diet, right? You're like, okay, here we go. Or, you know, going to the gym every day or whatever it is. And then it tapers off. So what have you found that helps you to maintain that in your everyday so that you can, you know, continue to practice mindfulness or meditation or all of those things? And obviously the pandemic, I'm not referring to the pandemic because I think that that was kind of a beast within itself and it's a whole new thing, but just with life in general, how do you maintain the practice? 
It's funny. I'm so there with you and everyone else that goes through this. Like I will come in hot. Like I'm like, yes, every morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to make my hot water with lemon. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's like, yeah, that lasts for like a week. And then life intervenes and you're like, screw this. Um, So honestly, just remembering that even if I'm like, if I'm letting my dog out to go to the bathroom and it's like, I put my hand on a leaf and I'll like make the connection between this life, my life, and, you know, the higher being that I connect to and close my eyes and take a second. It's like, that's all you have to do. You don't have to have these extensive routines. If you're eating, it could take, be a moment of, instead of just diving right into your food, like a moment of taking gratitude for your food and realizing what a privilege it is to have this food and like, you know, thanking the universe, God, whatever you believe in. And then eating your food. Like it doesn't have to be like, sometimes I get around, I'm like, who has two hours in the morning? If I had two hours every morning, I would be the most spiritual, calm, yogi person on the planet, but we don't. Sometimes it's get up and go. So like I said, even if you're just in the shower and you say a little like, thank you for this day, whatever, two seconds. So that to me is like having to remind myself that you do not need to have these crazy routines. You could carry any practice you want with you all day. You know what I mean? Even if you're sitting down to pee, you can sit down and be like, thank you so much for this day, this time, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like anywhere, anywhere. That's what's so beautiful about spiritual practice. You carry it with you. In wow. You. Yeah. No, and that's so funny. I mean, you mentioned that as like sort of a half joke, but that seems like a good time to do it because it's technically something you do every day. And so if you can, you know, remind yourself to do it as you're doing something that you do every day, it makes sense. Right. Think about it. We sit down and to pee and we'll shoot off a text to our friend, but we can instead mentally shoot off a text to the universe, to our energy, to spirituality, whatever. And it's like, oh, I don't have time. Well, you had time to send this many texts. You had time to look at Instagram this many times. So instead of picking up Instagram that one time in the day, why not just ground yourself for a second or go outside and touch a tree to connect to the earth, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's important to find what works for you. You know, astrology is another thing that I'm always so fascinated by. And I feel it's always something that pops up into discussions. And I'm going to be honest, I'm a complete novice when it comes to astrology. And I know that's something that you talk about and incorporate into your life every day. So help me out. What what do I need to know? (laughs) I love it. For me, what was so fascinating, like the very, very basics, like do you know your sun, your moon, and your ascending? No. Okay, great. So (laughs) that is super easy to find out. All you got is you can literally shoot me a text, tell me your birthday, uh, what time you're born and where you were born. And I'll tell you those things. And that's really fascinating to know because the woman that I was taking astrology level one from, which I have not gotten past level one. So I'm in no way an expert on this stuff. And like a true Gemini, I know a uh, a little about a lot. So this is like <laughs> okay. the little that I know about astrology. But she explained it like your ascending sign is like, pretend you have a house. Your ascending sign is when people walk up to your house. It's like what they see as your front door. Got it. And then your sun sign is your birthday. Like mine's June, so I'm Gemini. 
And so, yeah. Okay. So I know I'm a Virgo. That's the extent okay, Virgo. that I know. <laughs> so when people walk into your house, that's like, they see Virgo. That's who you, you know, who you ha- are inside your house. And then your moon sign is like your back bedroom that only people really close to you get to see. So that's, so those are like the, that's like the three basics that like is the first thing that I like to tell everybody. And then when you learn your ascending and your sun and your moon, it's fun because you can kind of tr- start, try to like start putting pieces together and you kind of understand things a little more. And that's what I love about astrology is I love playing with everything in spirituality, like all the way to the top of woo woo, whatever stuff, all the way to like very like more intellectually science driven stuff. Because I think like, what are we doing here? Right. We're on this like spinning ball. We have these weird limbs, like blood and cells in our body. Like what the heck are we? So the possibility that all this is true. Great. The possibility that none of it's true, great. But while I'm here, I'm going to play with it. I'm going to play with as much as I can. And to me, what's so interesting about astrology is I do feel like it's a bit science-based. You know, it's we're working with, we have galaxies and galaxies and galaxies. So to not feel like we're not going to be affected by the energy of the moon and these planets and their positioning, to me, is just like crazy. So, you know, it is a little like science driven, I think. And that's why I like it because it's not totally just like intuition, you know, spirituality. It's like, no, there's some backing to this, you know? And it's so it. funny. No, it's so funny you mentioned that because last night I was really, I'm uh, seven months pregnant right now. And so I was trying to like, I was wildly uncomfortable for the very first time, honestly, in a really long time. I was wildly uncomfortable, couldn't get comfortable couldn't really figure it out. Grumpy, moody. It was just, it was all the things, right? And my husband went outside to take the trash out and he comes back in. He's like, oh my God, it's the most beautiful moon I've ever seen. Apparently it's a red moon or something like that. And so it's really funny because someone who's a complete novice doesn't know anything about it. thought I, I instantly thought, oh, I wonder if that's why something's happening with inside my belly. Maybe the baby is connected and understands that like something's going on. I have no idea, but it did seem like not more than just a coincidence that and was it a red moon what was it do you know you know what i don't know i don't know exactly what it was i know i think something is in score there's like um i want to say scorpio something but mercury is in retrograde right now plus there is like a moon that is positioned in something else like with an eclipse happening or something like that so it is definitely a combination of a lot right now and all my friends that are into this have been literally texting me and texting each other like hey just wanted to check in is everyone okay how are you guys feeling i feel like i'm collapsing i'm exhausted what is going on and oh it's a lunar eclipse in scorpio as well as Mercury and retrograde. So there's just like a lot going on. And I think that, you know, if you're like forgetting things, I've been one minute, I'm like on cloud nine, the next minute I'm like tired and cranky and grumpy this week. And I'm like, ah, what is going on? So that's incredible to hear. Thank you. That's really reassuring to know. And to our listeners, we're recording this on May 16th. So if around the 15th, 16th, 17th, you can look back and go, oh my gosh, yes, that's exactly what was going on for me too. There you have it. Tori can explain it to you. (laughs) Well, I really wanted to talk to you about this really brave article you had come out three days ago. And if you feel comfortable, and truly, if you don't, it's totally fine. But you made such a brave decision to talk about the fact that you had an abortion when you were 21. And I wanted to thank you for doing that. Because as a public figure, that's 
a whole beast to tackle. And can you share with us what went into your decision to share it publicly and what it means to you? Yeah, you know, so there's a lot going on right now, you know, with the potential of the overturn of Wade versus Roe. And um, I think when I saw that leaked information come out, I got really freaked out because I felt like not only were we going backwards, but as a woman and for future generations of women coming up, I just couldn't imagine a world where our bodies could be so regulated again. It just felt so terrifying. And I was like, you know what? I've gone through this before. You know, I've had an abortion and my abortion was uh, based on choice. What about you know, women who have been violated or, or raped or were subjected to incest and they already had that choice taken away from them. And now we're going to make a choice on how they should handle their pregnancy as well. Like I just, I felt so frustrated. And then I started looking around and realized how society puts this stigma of shame around women who have made decisions for their own bodies, who have had abortions. And I thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to come out and say this, I want it to be because I want to be a part of the conversation of normalizing this and ending that sh- stigma of shame. And I can't tell you how many women that I know and also that I don't know that have come to me and been like, I keep this hidden. I haven't told anybody because I felt embarrassed or this and that. And thank you for saying that. I had no idea I'd be getting these kind of messages. I was totally touched and inspired and taken aback and and so happy that I made that choice. But, you know, I think it's important to be honest. And it's not something I took lightly. You know what I mean? I want to be a mom. I can't wait to be a mom. It just wasn't the right time for me then, you know? Yeah. And it's so true because you have accomplished so much and it does make us think like what would life would have been so different? Not saying you couldn't have, but life would have been so different. And I'm a mom of a girl. She's two and a half. And so when I see someone like you do that, it is I get so emotional and so charged about it. And I'm just so grateful that you someone like you is willing to go there because we need that so badly. We need that so badly. And I want for her sake too, for it to be an open conversation, for us to be able to talk about it, for it to not be something that men make decisions about women's bodies. It's just crazy. So thank you. I'm so grateful. And it's so nice. My next question was going to be, how has the response been? And so it's so nice to hear that people have, you know, come out of the woodwork and shared their experience with you too. I can imagine with anything, there's probably another side to it all as well. People come out and have their opinion, which everyone's entitled to their opinion. But I I just think that you're so brave because personally, that is what would hold me back or what I would think about is, you know, the other side of the backlash. And so thanks for doing that. Well, I can't lie and say I wasn't worried about that too. I actually had like thought, should I for the first time ever turn off commentings when I post about this? And then I was like, no, because maybe it'll spark good conversation. And that's exactly how I feel. Like you can have your opinion. You can feel the way you want to feel. Just don't tell me what to do with my body. You know what I mean? Like that. So yeah, crazy out there. But you know, I also, I work with this, the board of directors of this organization called Safe Bay that talks to kids about consent and sexual assault. And I will go around, I, we're actually doing a summer institute in Maine and I get to actually go to these high schools and talk to these kids one-on-one 
face to face. I talked to them about my experiences growing up, you know, what I was taught, what I wasn't taught, and why I feel the need to teach them about this and talk to them about this. And the willingness and eagerness for these kids to talk about these taboo subjects about, you know, consent and assault, they are so wanting somebody to just talk to them about this. And I think the reason we get into these things where it's like people are so fearful of talking, especially to young women about reproductive rights and reproductive freedoms is because it's surrounding sex. And a lot of adults don't want to talk to kids about sex. Do you know what I'm saying? And but it's so important. It's so important to teach young girls and young boys where their no is, where their boundaries are, how to have safe sex if they are going to have sex, because they're going to do it whether you talk to them or not. So getting to them at that young age and talking to them about safety and consent and all these things is just so important. And I wish, you know, I wish more schools really talked about it. You know, I think it would save a lot of heartbreak and a lot of trouble that sometimes comes about not talking about it. Right. No. And that is such a wonderful point that, you know, we have the opportunity to provide that in schools and it's not provided. Is this organization something that our, our listeners can access? Is it public? Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. So we'll make sure to get all the links from you because I want our listeners, if this is something that if if they're a child and they haven't had their parents talk to them about it, maybe they, it can, they can go there. And also if you're a parent and you want to talk to your child about it, you can go there too. So that's incredible. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. And we're so accessible to everybody. If you, we have a full curriculum that we bring to schools and all it takes is one high schooler from that school to say, we want you guys to come here and we will do the work to try to come there to bring this curriculum. And it counts as community service hours. When you take it, you can create groups in your school. I mean, we've had some kids come to us because they were so unhappy with how certain assaults or something happened in their school and their administrators didn't handle it where they were literally doing policy reform in their own schools because of this information. Or, you know, we say we have like a whole buffet of things that teaches you about, you know, bystander intervention, you know, what to do at a party if you feel like somebody is being talked to and they don't, you know, know how to get out of it. All these things that just like, they just eat it up. Like, And I love it. So yeah, if if this connects with somebody and you are a high schooler and you want Safe Bay to come to your school or you want this curriculum, just literally reach out to our Instagram handle and somebody will get to you. That's so great. That's such a positive about social media and the internet because there are a lot of negatives and we discuss that a lot on this podcast. But a positive is the accessibility to this productive information that we didn't always have before. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we're back. Well, okay, I can I can feel all of our listeners itching because we had so many questions submitted. Don't worry, you guys, we're getting to them. So if you don't mind, obviously, you know, Candace and I were on Vampire Diaries, so were you. We're going to have lots of questions come in about that. But not only that, you were hugely popular on another show, Pretty Little Liars, and then obviously Chicago Met. There's so many wonderful shows you've done. So... <laughs> These questions are coming from our listeners. The first one is, how much fun did you have filming Pretty Little Liars? And did you like Pretty Little Liars or The Vampire Diaries better? (laughs) No pressure. It's funny because, no, no. I Well, I did Pretty Little Liars for longer. I did all seven seasons on Pretty Little Liars. I did like 10, 12 episodes a year, maybe less, maybe more. I have no idea. So that was more consistent for me. I mean, two totally different experiences. You know what I mean? I had a great time on both. And I loved being on Pretty Little Liars. I mean, I made one of my closest friends still is Ian Harding, who played Ezra on that show. And we actually never really got to work together, but we built a really great friendship. I mostly got to work with Troy and Belisario, who played my sister. And she's so smart and so kind and so wonderful that I just had such a great time not even getting to work with her, but like getting to sit and talk with her in between (laughs) scenes all the time. So yeah, I don't really, the only complaint I ever say that I had about Pretty Little Liars is they, I wasn't in all the time. So I didn't read every episode. I think, you know, this, like when you're a recurring character, you don't read all the episodes. And that show had so many secrets and twists and turns that by the time I would come in, I would be like, what is going on? Who I was like, my characters even changed right now. I thought she was trying to murder so-and-so. And they're like, oh, no, actually, now she's trying to protect them. I'm like, what? That, like, that changes the whole vision I had on my character. So I felt like I was always playing catch-up. But it was kind of fun. But that's funny because that's exactly how I felt about the Vampire Diaries. Where, like, <laughs> I would come in and be like, wait, what's this spell? What's happening? All of that. And so much so on that show that there was someone, a uh, shout out to Lucina, who was fantastic. But the, her job was solely to make sure that people were up to speed on all the folklore and all of that. So, <laughs> but, but did you not have that experience with Vampire Diaries? No, because my character was more based in reality. I played an actual doctor, but I was stealing vampire blood to heal people. That was my in in the vampire world. So I didn't have to know like all those spells or all that stuff. And I, I didn't do that many episodes. I think I only did about like six episodes or something. Well, they were clearly a very memorable. So it's not really about the episode count. It's more about the go. actor and the character yeah. that they played, you know? Yeah, it was fun. That's great. We have a general question from one of our listeners, but we actually got this question quite a lot. So people want to know how and when you decided to become an actor. Okay, so it's kind of 
it's a little wishy-washy, this one, because I say that when I was seven years old, I saw Les Miserables on Broadway for the first time. And I was so in love with Eponine character and all of her songs. My mother made me a handmade costume of hers. And I used to like just perform all of her parts. I used to make my dad play the, the guy. I would like die in his arms every night. Like I was obsessed. So I like to say that that's when the the seed was planted. But in, in actuality, I grew up playing violin and that was my main focus. And I played professionally throughout high school and stuff. And then when I was 15, I got into modeling sort of, and I was doing these modeling trips, but I didn't like it. And a photographer told my mom, you know, she's very shy in front of the camera. Why don't you put her in an acting class? And so I went into this acting class and I was like, oh, this is really fun. Like, this is what I like to do. And then, and then that was it. It just kind of took over. I loved it. And I just made the decision that I was going to graduate high school six months early, flew out to LA with my mom, met with managers, got my manager that I'm actually still with today, 20 years later, which is crazy. Then I turned 18 the next month. I packed up my Explorer Sport and I just drove to LA and that was it. Wow. What what a great story. I can just picture you like in your Explorer, jamming to <laughs> tunes, like going out to LA. It's sort of this iconic quintessential moment that most people have when they are making that big trip to, you know, the next step of their life, which is really cool. Which everybody's always like, how'd you do that so young? And I'm like, I think you can only do it when you're so young. Cause when you're older and smarter, you would never make a choice like that. You know what it's I mean? So true. Yeah. It's <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's better to just not know better <laughs> and dive in. <laughs> so, okay. We also have a question about, uh, it's another acting question. We'll get into some life questions as well, because that's also what our podcast is about. What was your favorite scene to film? Do you have a favorite scene? And then we also, to contrast that, people want to know what your least favorite scene was. Or like any. Any. Oh, God. Just, just to date. Which is which is a big, that's a big question because like you that said, a big it, question. you drove out 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite scene. Oh my goodness. I've had a lot of really favorite scenes, but I guess one of my favorite scenes Actually, you know, one of my favorite scenes, it was this movie that I did that not a lot of people saw. It was called Evidence, the movie. And I think it's still on demand. And it was with Stephen Moyer, who was from the other vampire show. True Blood. I loved that show. It was this movie that kind of took, took place in like, it looked like we were filming on an iPhone. And then we were doing like behind the scenes and stuff. It was, it was really cool. I really liked it. I thought it would, I thought more people would see it than they actually did. I enjoyed filming it. But there's one scene where I don't want to give too much away, but I'm pretending to be somebody I'm not. And I'm in an er interrogation scene with him. And I loved filming that scene. That really stood out to me. And they started doing this CSI cyber show with Patricia Arquette. But anyways, I, I did the pilot episode and I played a character whose likeness was stolen to, for cyber sex website. And it's another interrogation scene where she comes in and she finds out and she's this mom, her, her husband has been deployed overseas and she's doing all this on her own. And it was such an emotional, like big scene and getting to work with Patricia Arquette was like amazing. So that was another favorite. Those were my two, ironically, two interrogation scenes. And then my least favorite, I'd have to say anything that involves fainting. I'm a <laughs> terrible fainter. 
I'm not even kidding you. I don't know what it is. I feel like give me any acting challenge. Let's do monologues. I'll cry. I'll scream. I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you ask me to faint, I feel like an idiot. And I don't know why. I'm so bad at fainting. And there was this one scene in Chicago Med where I had to faint. And I don't know why they used this take. The editor must have missed it. But I literally go to faint. And then I kind of like open my eye, like crack to see if they were done and they're not done. So I close it again and pretend to be like fainted out. And they use that take on TV. (laughs) I felt like such a fool. I was like, oh oh my God, my fainting skills suck. (laughs) I'm dying right now. I literally had to lean off the mic. (laughs) I was laughing so hard. That's amazing. It's such a specific (laughs) hatred that you have. And it's hilariously funny. And now I know uh, all these Chicago Med fans will go back and find this scene. Oh, they're going to find it. You're going to become a meme. (laughs) I was like, oh, great. I just totally opened myself up (laughs) to everybody sending me this horrible fainting scene where I look ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So last acting question we have is what, what do you do to deal with nerves? Because that's obviously such a huge part of our job. We talk about, you know, when you screen test, when you start the first day on the job, even when, you know, it's a really technical scene, maybe a fainting scene for you. Like, how do you deal with the nerves of, of life in general? Because, you know, that is something that even if you're not an actor, you deal with when you have a big meeting or an interview or something like that. So what do you you do to help you so that our listeners can help themselves? So nerves, nerves have been a driving force and one of the biggest curses in my life ever. I really struggle with nerves, performing, public speaking. I get nerves so bad. It like really physically affects me. I shake a lot, like my hands, like every screen test I've had to do, my papers are like, like I'm shaking. Even now, I left Chicago Med. I've been doing that show for six years. And I went to go do an indie film a month later. And I hadn't done something new in so long. And my first scene, my heart was like, boom, boom, boom. It started pounding. And I was like, Tori, you've been doing this 20 years. Like, this is, what are you doing right now? Why are you so nervous? So I wish I had a major trick for nerves. For me, I just try to breathe really deeply. I try to just trust myself. And I try to be honest about it. I think the worst thing for nerves is trying to push it down and act like they're not happening, right? So acknowledging them and inviting them to the space. Whenever I get a lot of nerves, I always hope that I have a crying scene because that always helps. (laughs) You know, I'm like, oh, great. Well, at least I'm nervous. I can transfer this into the emotion of the scene. But if it's not, I mean, I always joke that One Tree Hill, I feel like was the first show that I did when I was like 22 or 23 or something like that, that I felt like, oh my God, this is like a really popular show. Everybody's going to be seeing this. I think the first six episodes I did on that show, every scene, I was like, I had a slight tremor in my hands. I couldn't get past it. I really couldn't. So I had to just learn to work with it, which I know isn't very helpful, but I, I don't have a tip. I think the only tip I have is like, Again, be easy with yourself because you're human and this happens. No, and acknowledging it. You said acknowledge it and don't stuff it down, which I think is really good advice because the second you do try to act like, you know, it's not happening, then that's 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 when you're really screwed. But did you have that when you played violin as well, the tremor? Were you did you have that amount of nerves? Yeah, if I had to play in front of somebody I really loved and knew. Like if friends from my school 
came to watch me play, I would like get total stage fright. But if I'm in like a group of strangers, I'm like totally fine. Even to this day, if, you know, my boyfriend or my best friend or even my sisters or something will come to set to watch me, I'll like start getting a slight like beat in my heart. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you nervous? This is what you do for a living. But it just really, really affects me. But now that I don't play violin as much anymore, I actually have been with my boyfriend for over a year and a half and I haven't played in person <gasps> for him. Oh my gosh, I know. you need to change that. I'm sure I, I mean, know. it sounds like <laughs> judging by your Wi-Fi password <laughs> that he loves you very much. So I, I think if you were to play in front of him, he would just, I mean, that would probably be the end all be all. I sent him videos because that's safe because I know what the outcome of the video is. But that's just to say, I mean, I'm somebody that has been performing my entire life and I still get so nervous. So I think a lot of people kind of, correlate nervousness with not, you know, having enough time doing this or not being a professional at something. And that's just like simply not true. Like I'm terrified to play in front of him because I'm like, because now it's like, I'm such a perfectionist. And it's something that's so close to my heart that I'm like, but I don't want you to think it sucks. I don't want you to hear me being bad. I haven't played in like, eight months. And you know, but I'm trying to do the practice of just letting that go. And if it's messy, great. If it's, you know, whatever, but it's hard. I grew up a classically trained musician. So I think that my perfectionism and like needing it to be perfect before I share it with the people I love is something that I'm trying to let go of every day. Mm -hmm. The irony of that is, it, you know, he's the probably the only one that even if if you were to mess up, he would think it would be the most beautiful sound. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> okay. So some life questions that came in, people would love some advice. Looks like one of our listeners is moving out of the house and she's wondering what tips do you have for moving out of your parents' house? That's a really good question. I guess we all, we all did that at one point in, in our lives. Right. And so she's kind of, I, that's a, such a huge transition in life. And that's obviously what we talk about a lot on this podcast are like big pivots and big transitions and growth, self-growth. And so, yeah, she really wanted to know, like, do you have any advice for her? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I mean, you're going to get homesick. I definitely did. That's really a part of it. And this is kind of your chance to just branch out on your own for the first time and kind of learn about yourself. You know, what do you do when all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, rent's due in a week and I'm a little behind? Like, how do you handle stress? You're going to learn about life stress. You're going to learn about you know, you're probably going to go out a little bit more because you don't have anybody to kind of answer to. And where are your boundaries? You might, you know, do that too much and then realize that you're a little tired and you need to like pull back a little bit. So you're going to like, this is a time to really learn about who you are as an adult, which is going to be new. And so, you know, embrace the mess ups, embrace the, embrace the messiness of it all because it's going to get a little messy and just kind of like, really learn about yourself. It's an exciting time. Mm, that's so beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's very, it's a really exciting time. So just go with it. Have fun and, and keep us posted. We, we want to know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I remember in my house, like we didn't eat a lot of fast food. So when I moved out of my house and moved to LA, I was like eating like KFC, Taco Bell, like every night. I was like, this is amazing. And then I was like, but I feel like crap. So like now I got to I got to pull the reins back on that. <laughs> it's true. You got to like go big to then learn the lesson for sure. Well, in that vein, another question we got was what is your absolute favorite meal to cook? Ooh, I love cooking my, um, I just cooked for Christmas, my grandmother's baked CD. 
which was great. I love making her sauce because it's like, you know, takes a long time sometimes. I mean, she has a quick sauce version, but I also like, like doing the long one. That's always fun because I feel like I'm like pulling in my heritage and the smells remind me of childhood and my grandma who's no longer here. So it's like, I love, I love cooking family recipes. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And it sounds really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like a little past lunchtime now. And I'm like, ooh, baby, let's do it. <laughs> okay. And then lastly, the last question we have is what are you most proud of in life? Oh, that's a really good question. I feel like I feel like I'm most proud of really not hardening. I feel like I've been in a lot of positions whether it's career, personal, whatever, that could have maybe maybe cut my heart off or taught me to not like kind of lead with love and to not be open to people or not kind of give everybody the benefit of the doubt or kind of just hardened a little bit. And I chose not to, and I chose to be open and still lead with love, even though I felt like I'd been hurt here and there. And instead of looking at those hurts and victimizing myself, I feel like I've really tried to learn from them and grow from them and embrace them and learn how to kind of forgive and forgive myself in the process, which is really difficult. So I think I'm proud of of not not hardening over the years. Thanks, oh, that's, that's so beautiful. There's one question <laughs> we ask a lot of our guests, and I would love to get your opinion on it. But if you could go back in time and talk to young Tori. So Tori, maybe in that Explorer driving out to LA or whatever, one of those really big monumental moments in your life when you were younger, what advice would you give to her? I would tell her that all that anxiety about what other people think and trying to please everybody and just wanting to be liked, throw that out the window because I think what I've learned since then is that whenever somebody treats you poorly or is not nice to you or is aggressive to you or lies about you or whatever, it's always coming from their own pain. And so if you look at that and you realize like, you know, hurt people hurt people, right? So if somebody's not treating you right, it's not because of something you've done wrong. They're hurting too. So send them love and compassion and have that same love and compassion for yourself. Because I think that young Tori used to get so worried about how people perceived her and just wanted everybody to like her and make everything right. And it's just impossible. We are so, so such multifaceted human beings that come with so much trauma, happiness, joy, pain, whatever. And, you know, everybody's a mirror to yourself. And a lot of the ways that people treat you is because that's how they treat themselves. And so don't take things so personally. Oh my gosh. Fantastic advice, Tori. <laughs> Thank you. Thank this you. has been such a wonderful catch up. I've been so excited all day just to see your beautiful face and your bright smile and just talk to you because it truly has been so long. I know. We're so happy to have you on Directionally Challenged. It's about time. I know our listeners are so excited for this episode. So thank you for joining us and making time to talk to us. And you truly are such a light. So thanks. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. What I love so much about Tori is how open she is to having a conversation and discussing things that maybe people wouldn't be so open to discussing being in the public eye and her love for animals and 
cruelty-free fashion is really inspiring. And also what I love is she's also not judgmental. She's someone that is going to love you for whatever decision you make. And you guys had so many awesome questions for her. I wish you could have seen her face as we were talking because she was so bright. Such a big smile. I can tell she genuinely enjoyed answering all of your questions. And it's really fun for us to do that too, to reach out and then have you guys ask. The response was huge. So to have you guys ask all your questions and then us be able to talk about it with her was really fun. And I think she has such great life advice too. So hopefully you can take that and implement that into your lives. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged as much as we did. We have another great one coming for you next week. Until then, take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Produced by Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST. Thank you.